Here's like a fun little like pre-episode warm-up question. What? If you were a commuter. Yeah. <laughs> and, Vera, and Joanna approached you with a certain hypothetical question. Yeah. How much money would it take for you to go through with it? My student loan debt. <laughs> I was going to so, say, I feel like... So what yeah. if you're like, what if you're like, Joanna, I'm with you. Let me just check a number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me just see what Fannie Mae's got to say here. Weirdest balance. <laughs> Brandon. To kill someone? Well... To, or to, to identify yeah, someone. I, yeah, what I mean, like, I so think you can thing. probably know that you're at least instrumental in someone's death in that situation, but assuming that, how much would it take? I don't know, like five bucks. <laughs> Enough to stop at Taco Bell on the way back. I, I would I would need a, probably at least several mil to feel cool about it. I, I, I probably want to, I guess I'd, I'd want to see how much I can milk it, you know? Like, I'd keep upping the ante to see where they said, like, okay, For we're real? drawing the line. For reals, though. I'm going to say this, like, pretty boldly, that I don't think that I have morals about killing amoral people. I don't, amoral I, people. I would, never, I would never find myself in this situation, but I don't think I would have a problem with, like, killing a sociopath. Oh, See, no. I think, well, that's the point, right? Is that, like, you don't know who this person yeah, is. Yeah, that's the thing. But also, the other big counterpoint to this is, like, in a real... If this is, like, if we're thinking about a hypothetical situation right. where this is, like, the commuter, mm-hmm. like, I don't think I would want to... Uh, Obviously, maybe in, like, Liam Neeson's situation, I wouldn't really have... I would be forced into... My hand would be forced into it, but, mm-hmm. like, I think I would probably be aware that, like, taking this on is not a one-time thing, and that I'm just sort of, like, chaining myself to the to a series of, of events people that, yeah. I, that I would not be able to escape from, and I think that would stop me. Yeah. Like, I don't think that this would be a no-strings-attached thing, and so... Right, you know that they're gonna hang this over you for the rest of your life, <laughs> like, anytime they need something. And we'll get into this in the episode, but I do feel like the amount of money they were offering him was quite... I kind of do too, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, here's enough money to pay off your student's college debt. Right, like, that's kind yeah. of it. Like, yeah. but I mean, this will pay for books for one semester. Have yeah. fun. a new episode of Why Did We Watch This, the podcast where three friends sit down with a troubled movie and a themed cocktail and then watch it and discuss what worked and what didn't and how they would fix it. I am Chris. It's going to be a hell of a ride to Cold Spring, Ravel. I am Brendan, Grand Central Terminal, 125th Street, East 153rd Street, Morris Heights, University Heights, Marble Hill, Spite and Dival, Riverdale, Ludlow, Yonkers, Glenwood, Greystone, Hastings on Hudson, Dobbs Ferry, Ardsley on Hudson, Irvington, Terrytown, Phillips Manor, Scarborough, Austin, Croton on Hudson, Cortland, Peaceville, Manitou, Garrison, Cold Spring, Drischler. <laughs> Remember that. It's going to be important. And I am Lee. Between the passengers and the train, I always knew it would be the train. Delianti. <laughs> oh, man. And if you couldn't tell by our uh, very locomotive, heavy, heavy-themed nicknames, uh, we watched The Commuter. That's right. 2018. Starring Liam Neeson and Vera Farmiga. Patrick Wilson, Jonathan Banks, and Sam Neill. I guess Elizabeth McGovern's kind of in there. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Tom and Number 2 shows up for a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's directed by, I, I don't know if I'm going to say his name correctly. I think it's Spanish, so it's like Jaime. See Spanish American. Jaime Coyet Serra? I, I don't know. I'm not sure. It also has. Um, I feel like I did a pretty rough. Florence Pugh and Letitia Wright and two, like, five and under. It's got a real, like, revolving door of randos who pop in for a little bit. And a handful of those randos were about to become people. Yeah, I like, know. You feel good because. <laughs> two seconds like, you know from what, that Florence, movie. it's okay. Yeah. Like, two years, you're going to be doing your, your break was coming. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
this was just a, a stop in the grind up to that point. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, like, how would we class a thriller, I suppose? Yeah. Suspense. I, it's a yeah, suspense thriller and mystery. Maybe. Yeah, there, there are elements of action to it. I wouldn't classify it first and foremost as an action movie, though. I would neither. It does feel like it's supposed, it's, it's trying to be sort of like a Hitchcockian kind mm-hmm. of you know, man drawn into this vast conspiracy against his will has to figure something out before they kill him or, you know, expose him as a murderer. And uh, similar to kind of the Orient Express, there's tons of characters on board this train and they've all got an angle and everyone's looking at each other very suspiciously at all times. Right, it's a lower middle class Orient Express. (laughs) I relate to this one a lot more than the Orient Express. I, too, have been on the commuter rail. Yeah. <laughs> and look suspiciously too. That's right. And having me since synopsis and me start interrogating me about my back. With, like, blood just yeah. kind of, like, oozing from a cut on his What's face. What's in your bag? Um, but before we really get into this movie and all of its delights, uh, what did we drink? So we drank the 733 from Terrytown. And that is four ounces of strong coffee, one and a half ounces of whiskey, one ounce of half and half, one teaspoon of simple syrup, and some Irish whipped cream, which is uh, one cup of whipping cream, two tablespoons of sugar and two tablespoons of Irish cream. Uh, you basically just make that the same way you would whipped cream, put it all in a bowl, whip it up using a hand mixer or stand mixer. Uh, once you've got that, you combine all the ingredients, sands the whipped cream in a shaker with ice, shake it until it's chilled, pour it out over ice, and top with your desired amount of whipped cream. A drink that we feel does Liam Neeson's extremely Irish presence in right. the movie. And it's like, it's, it's a morning <laughs> drink, right? You yeah. want your coffee when you're taking the commuter rail from Terry. Yeah. That's what all Irish people drink on their morning That's right. <laughs> To get, uh, yeah. they, they want to lay it down a good base before they get uh, business drunk at yes, whatever right. Goldman Sachs place they're freaking at. I, for one, loved it. Yeah. It was tasty. Went I, down easy as hell. I was really worried. When I was making the whipped cream and I was putting the sugar in, I was like, You were very be, concerned. I was like, let's be too sweet. This feels like a lot of sugar. But, like, actually, it worked. This Nothing in the drink. like it's the main ingredient. Right? No, that's true, too. I was, yeah. I was worried about a lot of it, frankly, that the yeah. coffee would end up being too sweet or something. But no, it wasn't. The yeah. coffee, I actually thought, was really nice and bitter. And well, I thought, yeah. as the whipped cream sunk down into it, it, like, got a nice yeah. sweetness. Well, yes. we made the coffee really strong, mm-hmm. and there's no actual sweetener in the coffee. Of course. We just threw simple syrup in. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I honestly, like, I, I could happily drink this. I could barely detect alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I slurped mine down pretty quickly. Yeah. I don't feel super buzzed. No, me either. No. Maybe it's a little caffeine lifted. Yeah. It's, um, it's a little, you know, it's a cocktail. A cocktail. <laughs> of different drugs. It's a cocktail. It was, it's a cocktail. It was, it was delicious. Yeah, it Five was. Stars. It was a very good uh, summary drink, too, yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We need to... um. But we need to make sure whenever we do our next drink that it is also a very cool drink. Because I think that'll be important. I mean, we're going to probably be in the middle of like a 90 degree I'm day. I'm sure we will. It's going to be 80 <laughs> degrees out. Heat wave after heat wave. Yep. It's ah, fucking truly. awful. Just Not walk in here. Not a good time to be cleaning up oh, some rooms that I, I want to make Or even so. just like <laughs> taking recycling down. Yeah. Come back up yeah. with a body of sweat. And just like <laughs> because there's no AC in my bedroom anymore. Just when I was like, after like five minutes of cleaning the walls, I'm like drenched in sweat. Yeah. Well, just like, how is this possible? Sidebar, I put the AC in there so the next the, time you clean it, you thank can just plug it in. Did you put the portable one in? Like yeah, the, yeah. Like, it's already in Beautiful. The room. Yeah. All I need. Just especially, I would suggest running it for a while before you decide to Yeah, I mean, when I come over next, I'll tell you guys in advance Give so you can run it. <laughs> uh, I, I felt like a really disgusting mess well, when I got here. Preheat the oven for you. <laughs> Speaking of a of a long commute, boy howdy, does Liam Neeson have one in this movie? A long heart uh, Who's going to tell us about uh, his, his trip from Terrytown? Oh, back right. to Terrytown is the case so, movie. The Commuter. Michael McCauley, an Irish-American NYPD <laughs> member turned insurance agent, yes, you heard it right, has a wife and teenage son. He goes to the same routine commute to work 
and back every day taking the Hudson Line from Terrytown to Grand Central Terminal, often interacting with the same other commuters. His daily routine is interrupted when he is abruptly laid off from his job due to budget cuts after a decade at the same company, leading him to wonder how he will pay his mortgage or afford his son's college tuition. Choosing not to immediately reveal his dismissal to his family, he instead confides in Murphy, his ex-partner on the force, while he and Murphy's unit are at a bar. On the train home, Michael meets a mysterious woman named Joanna who makes small talk with him. Joanna describes herself as an academic who studies human behavior and tells him there are 16 distinct types of personalities. She proposes a hypothetical situation to Michael, asking him to do one little thing for which he is uniquely skilled and the results of which would have consequences that he would know nothing about, but that would affect one of the passengers on the train. Joanna's one little thing that she wants Michael to do is locate Prin, the alias of an unknown passenger who says she doesn't belong and has stolen something who she says doesn't belong has stolen something. Joanna proceeds to tell him that he will find $25,000 in the bathroom and will be paid another $75,000 when the job is done. Michael starts to question whether this job is real or hypothetical, and Joanna, before she gets off the train, alludes to him being a former cop. Out of curiosity, Michael searches the bathroom and finds an envelope with $25,000. Michael attempts to leave the train, but is stopped by another mysterious young woman who hands him an envelope containing Michael's wife's wedding ring and tells him it's a warning. Michael attempts to call his wife, but with no response. He then discreetly approaches a familiar fellow commuter, Walt, and writes a note on his newspaper asking him to contact the police. Michael leaves a voicemail describing the situation to Murphy and then receives a call from Joanna, threatening him and his family. She tells him that the train is rigged with hidden cameras and to look outside, where he sees Walt being deliberately pushed in front of a moving bus and killed. Joanna then points him to a GPS tracker in his jacket and orders him to plan it on print. Michael gives a fake report of suspicious behavior to the conductor, who announces he... Plans to search a woman's bag. A man immediately leaves the car and Michael follows him, at which point he attacks Michael. They fight and Michael plans the GPS tracker on him. Murphy calls back and informs him that Prin is a key witness in the supposed suicide case of a man at the city planner's office, Enrique Mendez, leading Michael to realize that Prin will be killed and that Michael is being set up. In a deserted carriage, Michael discovers the body of the man he planted the GPS tracker on in a badge, revealing he was an FBI agent! Joanna then contacts him, chastising him for the marking the wrong person, and warns him that another passenger has reported his suspicious activities on the train to the police, who stopped the train to investigate. Michael manages to evade detection by hiding with the corpse under the carriage, but in the process accidentally tears his bag and loses the $25,000 cash. Sabotaging the air conditioning and the train except for the last car, Michael forces all the remaining passengers into the last carriage. He realizes another passenger, a jazz musician named Oliver, killed the FBI agent. Oliver reveals that he also received the same deal for $100,000, with orders to assassinate Prin after Michael has identified him or her. After a brutal fight, Michael throws the hitman out of the train window, killing him. The real Prin is revealed to be a young girl named Sophia, who is incriminating information on powerful people and was to go into witness protection at the final stop of the train. Michael asks Sophia why she did not go to the police. She reveals that it was the police who killed Enrique, who was Sophia's cousin. Joanna calls Michael and tries to force him to kill Sophia for the sake of his family, but Michael refuses. Joanna activates the failsafe plan by detonating rigged explosives on the brakes to derail the train in order to kill everyone on board. Michael manages to save all of the passengers by unhooking the final carriage from the rest of the train right before a curb, but a conductor, Sam, dies assisting him. Michael instructs the passengers to block visibility into the car by plastering wet newspapers on all the windows before a massive police force arrives at the scene. Operating under the assumption that Michael is holding the train hostage, authorities send Murphy to negotiate with him. However, Murphy unknowingly reveals himself as the rogue cop who killed Enrique when he uses the same phrase about being noble, the type of language Sophia heard from one of the cops that killed Enrique. Michael and Murphy engage in a fight during which Michael removes Murphy's electronic ID tag, which identifies him as a friendly to the snipers outside using thermal vision. After a violent fight, the snipers, mistaking Murphy for Michael, shoot and kill Murphy. 
Outside the train, the FBI meets Sophia, who proceeds to tell them what she knows. Michael is hailed as a hero and exonerated by the other passengers while the FBI rescues his family. His former captain admits that Murphy and a few others have been under investigation for some time and offers Michael his job back. Michael rummages in his coat pocket and reveals that he kept the hard drive Sophia gave him containing the incriminating evidence. Sometime later, Joanna is on a train back from Chicago. Michael approaches her, presumably having found her through the information on the hard drive. <laughs> what? Okay. These are some leaps. Yeah. And made. confronts Joanna about her actions before he shows her his police badge. No. Implying that he is ready to arrest her. That is not, not so. That is not what happened. Okay, yeah. That is objectively not what we saw. I think the, the inference that I think we all had is that he was working with the police <laughs> and then, I guess, presumably the FBI, who they eventually managed to track down Joanna. For some reason, sent him. Yeah. And I mean, it's still super nuts to be like, all right, you have an emotional attachment yeah. to this case. You were involved in it. Maybe you should go be the one to take also, her in. It would be real ironic. You're also, yeah, this, is probably, this is probably at least a full year past when the events of the movie took place, right? right? So he is 61, and they're like, yeah, let's send you to the Let's get the old man in there. Let's Uh, get him out there. (laughs) Can we also talk about, this is just a quick sidebar, but we we kind of started to talk about this, but at the very end of the movie, which is supposed to be this extremely satisfying button, right, where he's Mm -hmm. going to show it to smug Joanna, who's Mm -hmm. And I love how he gives her this, like, little spiel, like, oh, yeah, it's your daily commute from, like, 6.20 in and, and like, 5.30 5 30 out. Yeah. And I just thought, is she, like, taking the train to and from the Legion of Doom where she works? Yeah. Because that's or, great. Or, or, or just, like, does she have a normal office job and on the side, like, as a hobby, she also does this? <laughs> she's yeah, there's, there's she's no the world's way. most, like, circuitous fixer. <laughs> there's no way she doesn't have a driver. Right. A car. Thank you. I don't know. It is no like and that, <laughs> or like more honestly, efficient way of getting around. There's a lot of questions this movie raises that I've never really addressed. Like, who is Joanna? What's her deal? What's this organization? Let's back up even further. Yeah. I actually feel like we can start with So the way a train works. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's talk about Western Westward expansion. Yes. Um <laughs> Metal okay. Destiny? Yes. yes. <laughs> Guys, let's go all the way back to when we talked about the Lone Ranger. Yes. <laughs> this is actually a sequel right. about trains. Now yes. um the the thing I want to I want to start with is um, I really feel like there's kind of two different things going on in this movie, and on one level, I feel like you can see the movie the movie believes it is, which is this very timely, fast-paced, almost breathless at times thriller. But it's like cast of thousands and everyone's salt of the earth, and ooh, the main character just got fired from his job, and he and his wife lost most of their money in the economic collapse. So like, there is quite a bit in here to be like. Liam Neeson, normal schmo, fucked by the system. Mm -hmm. But they kind of like, aside from the fact that he just could really use the money, they don't really interface with that motivation a lot for him. They play a lot. They they keep saying like, oh, you took the money. And it's like sort of really unclear. Did did he really did? But did he do it to... You take the money to do the job, or just take the money because he wanted to, like... It's, you know, right. I mean, it's, it's strange to me that Liam Neeson, after having this bizarre cryptic conversation, would then take the money and be like, well, I guess that's that, and then yeah. just assume that he's getting off scot-free. Yeah. But that does seem to be what happens. Right, because he does seem perplexed by the fact that they're like... Letitia Wright holds up her hand when he tries to leave, and she's like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. And also, like, he's told quite explicitly that if you take this money, this is what you have to do. It would be one of the things if she just said, like, what if there was money and you had to do something and you didn't know what it was? And he was like, okay, I'll take that. You know what I thought, though, might have been happening? And again, like, this movie doesn't really say a lot of things for sure, so it, a lot is still up in the air. I think we should, we should maybe put that out there. But 
what I thought might have been happening, because I did think there was... <laughs> she is uh, Joanna, Vera Farmiga's character is... Right, sorry, real quick. Vera Farmiga's Joanna, Liam Neeson is Michael, Patrick Wilson is Murphy, Jonathan Banks is Walt, the guy who gets plastered oh, by the bus. Oh I mean, Sam Neill is, like, the, the cop who has, like, a huge red herring dangling over his head as he just can't I was with the government. back from my fishing trip. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all these red herrings I've got. <laughs> you want one Patrick Wilson? Patrick Wilson's like, uh, They're great yeah. on the grill. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, like, Florence Pugh is on the train. Like, there's a lot For of no other reason. people. Right? I, mean, I, mean, there's, I mean, there's a reason. But there's, like, a lot of people there who I don't remember their character names, so I'm sure we won't. All of their names are just red herring. Truly, honestly, it's it's easier to refer to them by their actor names because yeah, I don't remember their the names. characters exist in such uh, nominal ways mm-hmm. uh, that they're really just pieces moved around the game well, board. To, it's almost like they fill it out with this sort of, like, Agatha Christie-esque cast of characters, but then they don't really do them. <laughs> right, you, you barely get to know any of them, right? Yeah. Like, there's, like, there's, like, that douchebag businessman who, like, the yeah, Neeson has, like, hey, on behalf of the American middle class, fuck you. you. And everyone in the audience stood up and clapped. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's Paul F. Tompkins. Right, there's Bobo Paul F. Tompkins. Faux Skinhead. the Hobbit. The Faux Skinhead. Faux Skinhead is... So I should also say that um, the movie is quite repetitive in its way of trying to build tension because... Uh, like Liam Neeson, the viewer has really no idea who Prin is, right? right. So there is, a, I think, a natural source of tension in who who's are my Prin? antagonists, yeah. where are they coming from, who's lying, who's this, who's that. Yeah, yeah. But the movie's way to approaching that is to have everyone kind of be an equal level of suspicious. And then when you kind of step outside of that, you're like, wow, there's a lot of people who are giving each other the intense eyeball throughout this movie for apparently no fucking right. reason. And there because... could be reasons, but they don't get into it. <laughs> yeah, right. no, they don't. Well, I thought like, you were going to mention... The fake skinhead is, like, eyeballing the fuck yeah, out well, of Yeah, well, also, Neeson. he, like, looks suspicious because he's this, like, kind of creepy, buffy, buff white dude. Yeah, like, like, shaved head. Shaved like, head. He, he looks kind of like, Yeah, he looks like, a, like he could be an ex-con or something. Yeah. Right. But I thought you were going to talk about how... The confusion we all had about how, like, no one seems to, not even anybody seems to know who the fuck Prince is. <laughs> but they seem to imply at some point that she's a woman, but there's a right. bunch of men who are under suspicion right. of being a print. It's well, like, what the fuck? How do you not know anything about this? That was actually my first moment of having a very serious disconnect from what was happening the first time we watched it. Because, mm-hmm. um, I, my takeaway from that conversation with, uh, Joanna was, okay, Prin is a woman, so you're looking for a woman with a bag. Mm-hmm. But Liam Neeson, after that conversation, just sees well, bag and thinks Prin? I guess, I mean, I guess she doesn't outright say it's a woman. She says her, though. Does she? Are you sure? She uses female pronouns. Okay, I'd have to double check. Unless that. I assumed that because I heard the word Prin wow. and I made the connection. Making I don't know. have assumptions here. I, I don't know. The article, Wikipedia, for what it's worth, seems to indicate that they're not sure as to who this person is and use she or she as the okay. pronoun. So I'm going to assume that, that, was that this is an inference that we made watching it and that Prin is not necessarily a woman because they don't say one way or the other. That's fair. That is my thought. I'm operating under the assumption that the movie at least did that with <laughs> Not much. Yeah. But it did that part, right? I'm hoping. Um, But it's essentially just, like, for most of the movie, it's just Liam Neeson has intense um, kind of confusing or terse exchanges with people and eventually loses his shit in one scene and you kind of get the impression that that's going to be when people turn on him but they never really do in any meaningful way right i mean if we're comparing this to orient express also so the things that orient express does right in terms of putting all these people on a train orient express like flat out shows you mean that there's like i don't know 14 people right or whatever on this train right at no point are they stopping at no point is anyone getting on or off so like you have that going for you because you can you know keep an eye on these people 
these people all have, like, their cars on the train. So, like, you know where they're going to be at any given point. They're not going to leave. This is a fucking commuter train. People will just wander around where the fuck they want. If you don't like who you're sitting next to, which is the entire thing about how Prin is, like, they lose track of who oh, Prin is in the beginning because her, like, seatmate is a douchebag, so she just gets up to leave. But that's important because Liam Neeson is like, oh, we'll figure out who Prin is based on the zones, tickets, right, the zones and whether they punched on the ticket. Right, and the douchebag moves in, so he assumes the douchebag is getting off at Cold Spring. Right. And yeah. then he doesn't. But it's actually... It was Prin who left her Prin. ticket and yeah. then moved to a new seat. Right. But also, the Orient Express has, like, a very small amount of passengers. Right. And the commuter rail has, like, a hundred. No, it does. <laughs> and I feel like, so also, yeah. the thing with Orient Express is, like, you know who the suspects are because yeah. everyone on the train. Yeah. With this one, it's like, I don't know, like, is this rando a suspect? Is this rando I also, I also feel like it's weird, right? Because in Orient Express... Yeah, there was a bunch of people, but, and for whatever criticisms, when we certainly made them about the most recent Orient Express, you, you never got confused about distinct characters. Right. Everyone was clearly a thing, and you understood generally what their deal was. Yeah. And you understood what their place was in this world. But I feel like this movie's idea was like, ooh, but isn't it scarier if the, like, the body of people getting on and off is always changing? But equally, the movie is not interested in, in anyone. Yeah. So it's just sort of interchangeable bodies, and I'm just sort of like, yeah, yeah okay. Also, they, they seem to imply that, like, I guess it makes them just sort of extent that it's a commuter rail, a lot of the similar people are on every day, mm-hmm. that, like, Liam Neeson knows a lot of the people, right. which, like, I don't buy as much. Like, I, don't, I feel like you would notice, like, a few people, right? It like, seems like Liam Neeson knew the conductor, and he knew Bobo PFT. Jonathan PFT's. Banks and, and Bobo PFT. Yeah. And the conductor. Right. And he knew, like, that one, um, the one woman who he sat down with, by Florence Pugh, because the woman was like, oh, like, hey, yes. how's your family yes. doing your walk? I don't remember stuff. her name. I don't remember her name. <laughs> Sherry, maybe, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Fuck it, doesn't matter. But, like, I, I do agree that, like, I, like, back in the days when I used to commute to work, when I had a work to commute to, like, there are people on the bus who you notice, because, like, they're at out, they're out your stop, or it's just, like, these are the people who yeah. get off at the stop, and you're taking the same bus every morning. Like, yeah. I get that you would, but I feel like I can pick up maybe, like, five or six of uh-huh. those people. I, like, it is nuts to me that Liam Neeson would be, like, I don't remember these couple of people yeah. ever riding on the train this long before. Well, because he gives the third degree to the skinhead, and he's yeah. like, I'm I don't remember you on here, and he's like, like, okay. Yeah, he's like, like I'm nothing. Well, are you president of the train? Well, but yeah. then they have and this, and like, that is, in fact, the case where he's like, well, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. I actually am fucking on this train every day. Yeah. And you're, you're just, just, yeah. You're just yeah. No one very rude, sir. Yeah. Well, because that happens in the scene, right? Because he was like, no, I'm actually here on like this time all the time. And Liam Neeson's just like, oh, I guess you are a regular. And as an audience member, I'm like, yeah, Liam, you can kind of assume that about anyone, because yeah. inevitably you haven't noticed. I really didn't like that portion of it. I thought it was weird when he started to be mayor of the train and was like, <laughs> yeah. you, you don't belong on this train, sir. <laughs> Wet the windows down, put up newspaper. <laughs> no, I, I think, honestly, the, the idea of using the tickets as a way to determine who was possibly going to Cold Spring Harbor was interesting. It's, it's a smart idea. I think that is probably the best jumping off point you could possibly have. It, the movie blows through a lot of ideas that I think are at least some part of them is smart. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, sorry, no, go ahead, brief go ahead. sidebar, it yeah, doesn't yeah. address the, the thing that I brought up what? when you were watching it the first time, which is that if you were a witness and you had to go to a stop and it wasn't the last stop, you should buy not that ticket. Right, yeah, ticket exactly. Obviously. You off the cents, but they don't pay any attention to that. I also think, I don't know, couldn't the FBI just, like, send a car for her or something? Like... Who knows, Brendan? Who knows? <laughs> fucking think. Well, then... Okay. I, mean, I guess, like, in theory, maybe the idea is that, like, you don't know who's driving the car or something, but, like, surely right. there could be a safe word. It's just... It is nutty, though, because I feel like a lot of... I feel like a lot of shit that goes on in this movie 
the writing is just assuming you're going to be satisfied with the vague hand wave explanation of, oh, it's Vera and her people. It does seem sort of a bit lazy. Yeah. It is, because essentially they just use this idea of an amorphously powerful organization to fill yeah. in the cracks. It's kind of everywhere. like a, a lowest common denominator thriller where it's like, Whenever they can resort to it, they're just like, oh, there was another pocketed person somewhere. Right, 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 like, right. They, they push this they guy the thing, streets. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Or the random my. lady who's like, hey, are we doing this or not? Yeah, right. And like, all right. So then there was that crazy setup, too, with Jonathan Banks, where he's having this conversation, and he tries to communicate to Jonathan Banks covertly. Oh, my God, yeah. like, these people have my family. Yeah, call, call the police. police. But then... I guess they just had people that were waiting at that fucking bus stop outside the train station to just shove Jonathan Banks or like, in front I don't of know, it. Maybe someone who got off with Jonathan. Like, is there other people? Like, I um, truly don't get maybe. it. Maybe. I truly don't. And then there's also, there seems to be a vacillating degree to which Joanna is aware of what's going on on the train. Because yeah. there's times, oh. because when he just says, <laughs> I didn't tell him anything, and she goes, we both know that's not true. How? Well, there's cameras. She said there are cameras yeah, on the train. How would she have known from the camera? I mean, like, she, she could have seen him writing something. Starts, it starts to beg the question of, if you have cameras, if you have put other people on the train like, to potentially get off and run interference, why the fuck do you Why do you need to rope this other person? And yeah. also, if you're going to spend this much money in manpower, just hire a really good assassin and kill her. Yeah. Which is like, it's also like... They, <laughs> why is Liam Neeson the one... Right, like, why do you need him? He implies later because on... Because he's an ex-cop? Right, he, well, they imply later on, Liam Neeson says, like, were you the one who got me fired? It's like, it is possible in the movie that she somehow conspired to get him fired from his job. And who the why fuck doesn't she just why? get Patrick Wilson to do this? Like Patrick who is already willing to do the dirty work. Yeah. By the end of the movie, we already know that apparently on either her or her organization say so killed a whistleblower. Right. You don't have to like force him into this, you know, moral dilemma. You could probably just be like, you know what, here's hundred thousand well, dollars. Patrick Wilson was the one that gave Joanna his name. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Wilson teed him up. That's true. That's because true. Because he needed the money. But then why yeah. did Patrick Wilson do that? Yeah, like, why, why doesn't Patrick Wilson just take the money? Patrick Wilson is a morally bankrupt character, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Do you, wouldn't that be hilarious if he's like... Okay, because the timeline then is bananas. Because if 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 Patrick Wilson was the yeah, one... Yeah, they were at the bar. Was the one to <laughs> take Because I would love... I would love... I would fucking love... If she had nothing to do with his firing, he just got fired. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> if he's like, then, were you the one who got me fired? She's like, no, you're just really bad at your well, job. Then he shows up... To drinks with Patrick Wilson later that evening before getting on the train. Yeah. To commit to, like, saying, like, God, like, what a fucking day I've had, right? Yeah. I would love it if as soon as he leaves and Patrick Wilson begs off of that, like, can I have a word with Sam Neill? Yeah. That he immediately gets on the phone and he's like, Joanna, I know you've just been freaking out it. about who we're going to arrange <laughs> in the most complicated, circuitous yeah, way possible yeah. to do our dirty work, but I just found him. Yeah. <laughs> and you only need to give him 100K. He's very desperate. He will not ask for more money. <laughs> and also, if... You have to get like if it, if if you somehow you're able to orchestrate this girl because how how why else is she being sent to Cold Springs? See, actually, this is where I find to be the flaw in the use of Vera and her people to fill in the cracks because they do. I feel like they implied at one point that she's responsible for many of the key players being on that train. Yeah. If she's responsible for Prin's presence on that train, how is she able to do that without knowing who Prin was? Is she responsible though? I don't know if she's responsible. I think she is saying that... Or did she have a mole in the FBI who or said... I think she just knows that she is taking this train at this point. I see. I don't think that she like put all the, you know, all the pieces in order so that they all be boarding the, the same was train. trying to say, which I was like, that's bananas. No, that's I, I don't think so. That would but be if nuts. You all, if you knew where she was going on that train, which they seemed to... Just know, have someone waiting for her at the station. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> or have people go around Cold Springs looking for, like, a safe house. Really obvious-looking FBI agents right, who are standing right, on the train. Right, right, just standing And they are just right standing there. there in suits <laughs> waiting for this train. So, like, I don't know, shoot them and impersonate FBI agents. It's also not confusing at all who the FBI agents would be in that case because there's no one else standing at the stop when we see it. Yeah. 
Just these two guys are really obviously fed. Who are standing there so expectantly. Yeah. Like, you'd think anyone would have chill in that situation and maybe, like, wait in the car. Yeah. Like, she'll or text. Or clothes and, like, put on some fucking Right, like have, like, have, like, have, like, a couple agents in plain clothes sitting there. Someone else is waiting in the car. Like, you just have people prepared, right? You don't just so... send two idiots there to stand right next to the train. I also uh, feel like it's... The structure, I feel, of this movie is weirdly sloppy for as tight as the movie appears to think it is. Because it seems to think that it has set up all of these moving pieces yeah. in such a way that it's going to execute in a way that's very satisfying. But mostly what we get is set up. And then we just have this very long, meandering badlands of plot where we we meet tons of people. We don't really know who they are, but we get to meet them. Right. And then a ton of shit just happens in the movie. Ends. I mean, here's the thing. On paper, this makes perfect sense, right? Because you're you, once you, like put everything in motion. He's on this train. He's not getting off the train. He knows this person is on the train. All he has to do is go through the train, like, car by car, person by person, and discover who he thinks it is. That is perfect. Like, that, like, gets you from point A to point B perfectly. Exactly. Except that he just, like, wanders around. He talks to a person he's suspicious of. Nothing happens. He talks to another suspicious person. Nothing happens. Right. And then, like, there's an action sequence. He gets thrown off the train. He's hiding under the train. He pins on another person. That person dies. It's just, like... I don't know really, like, I see where point C is, but point B keeps, like, running around the train. Point B keeps running around the train, and I also feel like it was very dumb of them to, and I understand why it's the commuter rail, everything's gonna look the same, but as a visual experience, it was extremely hard to track where in space and time we were yeah. because everything looked the same and all of the conversations he was having yeah. were the same. If they were gonna waste the first part of the movie doing all those stupid shots... Do you like a shot where you run down the train cars? And yes! Just like, right. Uh, well, so the thing is, the, they, they do that They crazy do that later on. Back shot. Yeah. It's also just like, I, the, these are six identical cars. They have You have no means of telling which one is which one. And I think the thing that he does that's pretty smart, like, toward the end of the movie, is where he breaks the air conditioner so that everyone goes into the mm -hmm. same car. Which if was, he had done that, like, I don't know, 30 minutes into the movie instead, we would have everyone in one car. We could have him just going around, like, subtly making conversation with these people. Also, we could have also made it really clear which people own which car, uh, which car you're in by, like, yes. having a passenger attached to each car. Yes, like, right. If yeah. somebody, if, like, Paul Tompkins is in one car... He always playing car. cards with the skinhead. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. And, like, yeah. shoplifting pew... pew uh, fake, fake, fake IDs. Yeah, fake, ID yeah, fake it, whatever her, she heard criminal deal is. <laughs> yeah. Her and the nurse boyfriend's making her give fake IDs to people. And, 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 you know, and you know she's you know she's a bad girl because of her crazy highway. <laughs> yeah, she's got some fishnets. <laughs> she's burying her stomach a Guys, little bit. Guys, I bet she, And she wears a lot of eyeliner. I bet she smokes. Yeah. Um... I think the thing that you really needed from this also, going back to what I said earlier about how the fact that when you get on Orient Express, you know that there are, like, 14 people, mm -hmm. you know who they all are, who the actors, what they're doing. You also get a pretty quick sense who you need to pay attention well, to. Well, that's what I'm saying also. On here, it's like, if there was a scene where you just, or you're going through Liam Neeson's head, and he identifies, like, the eight people who he believes should not be here, that way you can, like, follow him as he's going through these people one by one. Because when, when he starts talking to people, I'm like... I don't know how many of these there are. I don't know what the end point is. I don't know who he suspects. Well, and then the movie keeps, like, focusing in on certain people, and they try to invest it with meaning, but it's honestly just, they do it so often with seemingly such random choices that it doesn't give the sense of danger is coming from anywhere. It's just sort of like, I don't care. You need to give me some piece of clear information here. It's yeah. not an, it's not a tantalizing mystery. It's just sort of wishy-washy and I mean, confusing. Sorry, go ahead. You're going to say something? I just had a, a quick side yeah. thought. You know, we were talking about what, what is, like, Joanne doing on this train yeah. in, in Chicago? Yeah. yeah. The guy, that, the Wall Street guy, who, like, is such a fucking dick about how, like, 
good his job is mm-hmm. and how like he caters to the richest people. He's like, why is he in the fucking? I don't know. I can't remember if he had an excuse. I don't really remember because I know he is one of the suspects um, that Liam Neeson yeah. like thinks shouldn't be there. But like, I can't remember if he like says like, "Hey, my Benz is in the shop." What yeah. you guys do? I was gonna say I I think, but I'm not positive. But I think there was some kind of oh, line okay. like, like my Beamer is yeah. in the shop yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. But I mean that basically that character is just there for they worked backwards from that. I mean, fuck he's just there for, like, like the fuck you line at the end of yeah. it. We're like, ooh, boo, hiss when he comes well, on the screen. Which is also, like, the movie trying to be like, aren't you on Liam Neeson's side, America? Look who he's fighting against. Well, right. He's <laughs> Again, the lowest common denominator. It is. It is. And, I gotta be honest, at that point, I kind of don't feel... Like, yes, he was in a shitty situation, obviously. Because he says at one point, like, I think point blank, like, me and Elizabeth McGovern are living hand to mouth. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, sure, you need the money, I get that. But... I never found him to be, like, a compelling character. It's kind of bland. Yeah. I, I, I think the issue also that you do have, and I, I, I had said this earlier, I don't think we were actually recording them, but, like, I get that there is a world where someone like Liam Neeson, who has this really nice house somewhere on Long Island or whatever, with this wife and this kid who's going to an expensive school, I get that there is still a world where he could e- very easily... Like, Go under. Yeah, be back in the situation where he suddenly has nothing and isn't losing everything. It sounded like their investments got cleaned out. Right, and like they probably have like multiple mortgages on the house, whatever, whatever. But like, nonetheless, when you open with this guy and his like loving wife and this kid in this enormous fucking New York house, it's a little bit like, I don't have that much sympathy for your situation right now. You know, like it doesn't look... I get that you probably are and maybe you can't sell a house because you wouldn't make anything from it because right. you owe so much on it but like you're living in this ridiculous house like I don't feel bad for you yeah yeah I don't um uh, off of what you said as well the be- I, it just was reminding me of do you guys remember the camera weirdness of the beginning oh, yeah. montage of well, you want to talk about like direction in general let's actually get into the direction and the camera right. movements and then let's jump into characters yeah. because the camera movements especially at the beginning of the movie are the town <laughs> Yeah, there is, there's a lot going on with the camera. I the just want to talk about, I think in concept, the, the opening uh, montage is interesting, at least on paper, of the idea of like, we're going to show you the normal the morning routine, the mor- the r- morning routine, but we're jumping forward in time, in time as we move from right. it, It's like a montage, basically. Which is interesting in theory, but the way they did it is hard to follow. Yeah, I think so. It's I think it's it's supposed to be showing like, complacency, normalcy. This is what his life is like, but it makes it jarringly weird instead because like there are cuts that happen, and you sort of it's jarring to all of a sudden realize that you're in a different setting and a different time frame than you were before. Yeah. Though, yeah. So like it doesn't come off as like oh this is his routine. His life is very predictable. It comes off as instead like. What, what, what? Where are we? Where are we going? What's well, happening here? It's like we're cutting from the Kim pouring coffee. Ah, oh, the sun's throwing him a book. Oh, I just finished the book. I'm like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, I think it, like, you described as, like, just sort of failed, like, think they keep trying stuff that does not work. Right. I mean, I think that, like, the, the basic film 101 way to do this, and I, I'm not saying that I wish they had done this, is just to be doing, like, cycle through the same day, like, many, many times in this montage, mm-hmm. right? Show him getting up, he gets his coffee, he talks to his son, he gives him a train, goes to work, gets back home, then you do it again and again Which and again. Which is a very basic way to show routine, but right. not... And I'm not saying that, like, you should always strive to do the most simple way of doing it. So, like, in a weird way, I get that you were kind of, like, doing that, but chopping it all trying up. to spice it up a little. Right, like, chopping it off in terms of, like, where he is in the day versus, like, what day it is, mm-hmm. you know, in the year or whatever. Yeah. And so, like, I, I kind of get that. However, the way it's done is just a little too jarring for well, me. Well, in the, in the collaborative medium film at some point somebody should have said this does not this is weird yeah, <laughs> yeah. this does not well, work the way you wanted it to it actually ends up throwing the viewer off and distancing them from the story yeah and where right, it should be drawing us into his emotional world not making it hard to access you have to spend a lot of the first minutes parsing out what the fuck is happening right exactly <laughs> <laughs> well because they also 
they rush you through his job. Yeah. You truly have very little idea of what it is before they're telling you he's fired. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, I guess. And you also don't really have a great conception of what his life is. All you have is the house and the family as an image. So when he tells you they're living hand to mouth, you're just sort of like, oh, I guess I have to take your word for well, it. Well, I mean, it is yeah. a lot of, he does a lot of, like, tell, don't show at that point, right? Because you find all this out where you show him at work talking to, like, customers or whatever, yeah. and he's like, oh, you I know, like, like, like economy. I, I was from Ireland, that's why I have this ridiculous accent. <laughs> and he yeah, was like, like, give you my life story. Yeah, there was... We lost all our money when the bubble burst, and but the one thing we never got rid of was our life insurance. I, I love that, like, that the scene picks up just after he told them, this is for you, but it's also for the viewers. Yeah, then so he turns the camera and winks. Yeah. Um... You brought up something, though, in the second watch that I felt to be very true, Brendan, and that's that there's a lot of Arnold Schwarzenegger 90s movies vibes. Uh, they at least acknowledge the, like, whoa, where's the that accent coming from? Like this Irishman, yeah. But I just mean that he's like, what's his job? I don't know, business. And, like, what's his conflict? I don't know, money. And, like, what's happening? I don't know, something vaguely thrillery, and there's, like, some action in there's there. conspiracy. Right. right. But what's the conspiracy? I don't know, but everyone's in on yeah. it. Yeah, there's a whistleblower of something. Yeah, that is honestly, I think, like, if, if I were to point out one, the, the biggest issue I probably have with this movie is the fact that, like, this conspiracy is very vague and not elaborated upon, and that, thus I find it hard to care about, right? I mean, you yeah. know that he is, like, a whistleblower, something to do with the police. The police uh-huh. killed him and threw him out of a window. Yes, Enrique. The police threw Enrique out of a window and made it look like a suicide. But we don't really know, like, and then his, what the deal is. We is don't that his really, sister or his cousin? His cousin. We don't really know what the deal is with Vera Farmiga's creepy shadow organization. Right. So, like, like they're just... And, and I get also, in something like North by Northwest, you may not entirely know, like, who's pulling the strings, right? Like, a lot of Hitchcock is just like, this goes... This is so much bigger than you think it is, and we never really find out, like, what the deal is. But, like, you're not left wondering, like, what led us to this situation. Or what the goal was? Like, Hitchcock had it easy, though, because it was always the Germans, really. The end That's of the day. It was uh, well, I mean, like, up until, like, the 50s, it's like, oh, we got to find something yeah. else now. And then it was the Russians? Uh, I don't even know if it was the Russians. I think it was just, like, weird conspiracies. We yeah. didn't like them in the 50s. I know. Well, or it still was don't. still Germans, like, yeah. in Notorious. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, Germans hiding on South America. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Well, that was the thing in a bunch of movies, right? Like Boys from Brazil. Well, yeah, like, no, I mean, like, like we all know that they're, we all know that South America's overrun with Project countries. Paperclip. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's us, though. That's America. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's honestly the, I think the way that they approach in trying to make Vera Farmiga and whoever she represents seem as, like, threatening and omnipresent as possible, they end up diluting them to such a degree that, like you said, I don't care. Because I don't know what their goals are. I don't even know what they want moment to moment, aside from they want Prin dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also, the, the, uh, Vera Farmiga keeps trying to push this angle in phone calls on Liam Neeson where she was like, you chose this. You did this. You're responsible for that FBI agent getting also, killed. Also, you kidnapped his wife, so like... Yeah. Well, that's why I thought it was bizarre. Why was she was just like, "Wow, you want your family to die? You chose this." I was like, "I, I don't, I don't think so, Vera." I mean, here's the thing, though. Again, here's the thing that I find dumb is that he takes the money. Right? What if he didn't? That's what I'm saying. If he didn't take the money, he like came in, found the money in an envelope, and was just like, "I got to think about." Would Vera then have to like back. call Patrick Wilson and be like, "Well, that didn't work. I need to get on the train now." Or no, what I'm thinking is that like, like. Lee, you were saying like me before this, the money doesn't matter. There doesn't need to be money. You don't need to have this story about this guy who loses everything and now he's up against a wall mm-hmm. so he can be bought over with $100,000. You can just have it be that he sits on this train, this mysterious woman sits next to him and is like, I don't know, here's a fun thought experiment. What if this? Yeah. And he's like, well, that's, no, I, I don't think I would do that. And she's like, oh, wouldn't you? Interesting. And gets off the train. And that's what leads it into this entire thing where he is just like picked. There is nothing that he is doing for a financial gain. He is just drawn into the situation against his will. 
will. And because the thing is, the money doesn't seem to matter. He loses the money, but we don't have like a moment afterwards where he's like, oh my fucking God, like what am I even doing now, right? Like where he's like, I've lost the money. I like, I'm off the leash now. Like I have no obligations to her at this point. You don't have a whole lot of him debating about whether it's morally right to take the money to kill someone. It's just like, he does it so willingly that when Vera Farmiga calls him and says, like, you chose this, I'm like, I, I, I kind of disagree with you, Chris. I'm like, yeah, you know, you did. Well, I'm he, not saying you literally pulled the gun, like, yeah. pulled the trigger that shot this person, but, like, you did take the I money guess, at the end of the I day. guess what I'm saying is, it's weird for her to keep pushing that on him when she put him in a position where I can understand him feeling like he doesn't necessarily have a choice. He didn't have to take the money. I agree with that. And he shouldn't have. Especially because, like, at that point, if he just took the money and left, that was only 25 yeah. Which would have been a the tiniest bandage to his problems. Yeah. Um, or, or like, again, also, if she had just said, like, would you would you do something not knowing what I'm asking you to do and I give you $100,000, 25 now, 75 later. If you just said, like, well, like, what is it you want to do? She's like, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But would you do it not knowing what it was? And, just, and then, so he takes the money and then she later says, like, hey, you took the money. That means that you entered into this contract with me. Now you got to find this person. In my mind, the setup is meant to be sort of like um, the button. Right? Of like, you're going to get a huge reward. You know something's going to happen to someone, but you don't know what or who. Right. But you're going to do this thing and get a reward. Right. And I feel like we start there, but then the movie kind of forgets. And we get to a well, much more. Well, quickly becomes, I'm just going to extort you to do it now by, by kidnapping right. you. Right. So again, what's the point what's of the money? What's the point? Right. The if money. you've got his family, you've already got what he cares about the right. most. So just cut to the family. Right. Yeah. So it, I, I don't know. The money thing, it's, it's complicated. I feel like it's all in there so that you as an audience member are immediately on Liam Neeson's side unquestioningly because you're like, yes, I too know what it's like to not have enough money and to like perhaps but, find myself in the situation. If because here's the thing, we feel differently about the money because I I don't think this is a good choice the movie does. I don't I don't. Uh, this is purely like my own uh, interpretation of the movie where I employ a lot of liberal fixing in my brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I don't think when he took that money that he had any intention of doing the job. I don't think so either. I think he took it because it was there and he was like maybe going to like report it or like tell I... that he because he it doesn't seem like he makes any attempt to do the job and then he oh, tells yeah. that woman at the stop like I'm not gonna do this. Vera seems to imply that it's okay if he took the twenty five and ran. She says the other 75 is if you do what I say. Yeah. Which I think so, that's like, how we interpreted it. Of, I, oh, I can just take the 25 and then I'm... Whatever. I don't think that he, like, morally damned himself by taking that money. And I don't think... I think they could have handled it better. Yeah. Again, I, I don't understand the point... If you're gonna... If it was gonna be about money, then I get the whole, the whole stupid speech. But, like, I feel like if, if it was just gonna be, like, he's gonna be doing it one way or the other, whether it's money or, or kidnapping, mm-hmm. it's just seemed like a, a weird cul-de-sac to go down. Yeah. And again, I just want to point out, Vera Farmiga's methods are the most circuitous I think I have ever fucking seen to achieve something. Yeah. Well, I, she seems to have too many, like... Moving pieces. Yeah. yeah. Do things, I mean, it seems like, like there, need him. Right, no, I mean, it seems like there are like 8 million backup plans. So like if Liam Neeson fails, we have this other guy who can do something or whatever. It's just like, how, how is it at all fiscally responsible to enact this plan? Like there's, there's just so many easier ways for you to do this. Cannot be. Yeah. And I don't see how Vera Varmiga, again, like didn't miss the quarterly bonus for what ended up happening that day because it was like, I think if that was her boss, it would be like, what the fuck? Right. You yeah. spent how many millions of dollars? Like we've killed a fed. Right. We've lost one of our assassins. Right. There were um, like derailed trains. The train fucking flipped over. Right. Like yeah. we've killed people. Like this is, it was like, and we didn't get what we wanted. Right. You, you have like blown our cover crazy sky high at this point. I would ask 
also feel like if I was her boss, I would have been like, you went there to make this happen in person? Yeah. Like, the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, that's the thing. So I feel like that conversation that he has with her, and then, like, to the point where she's calling him on the phone, makes her feel like a much more shadowy, interesting figure mm-hmm. than she apparently is at the end of the movie where she's just this random ass commuter going to a job day in and day out because she seems like she's like this mysterious she's a mysterious woman she's got like she's dressed in black and white like she looks ridiculous the shoes yeah the shoes she's got crazy ass shoes that are (laughs) immediately identifiable I mean they're just black and white that's how it has like a a design on it I am just I don't think it's the fact that they're crazy I think it's that you need to recognize that it is this person shoes was a weird way to go for that it was to be fair I feel but like and, and again, based off of this conversation, we talked a little bit about, like, the conversation that the two of them have in the beginning of the movie. Like, is this good? Are they good in this scene? Is this scene a good scene? And I think the conclusion that I drew, at least, is that, like, yeah, they're both good, but this scene is it's so terrible. dumb that, like, the only reason why it at all makes you think it's good is because they are, they are good actors who are tricking your brain into <laughs> thinking that this is something that is good. Well, I think it's just because they are good actors, so I think they are capable of turning in compelling performances you want to pay attention to. I think the problem is you pay attention to this compelling performance, because they both do a great job, I feel, of indicating a lot of tension, yeah. of of bringing that in into that into their physicality. I actually feel like they do really good work in the scene. Mm-hmm. Problem is, they're building tension around fucking nothing. Yeah. I mean, they bring, they draw your attention into then see the content and then you're just like, what is this trash? Like, they the conversation they have. You I think again, Brenda, I think you put this very well. There just needed to be more. The conversation needed to be longer and they need to go deeper because as it is, Joanna just breezes through and it was like, what if you did this? Right. Anyway, see yeah. you. I'm a psychiatrist. Here's some personality types. Wouldn't it be fun if we did a thought experiment? What yeah. would you do? Bye. <sighs> and it's just like, like <laughs> again, like this, this could not have. The example I keep using, and I know it's like dumb to go to this, is Silence of the Lambs, where you have Hannibal yeah. Lecter and Clarice, where like one person knows something and is manipulating the other person because they have like all the knowledge on the scene and they're trying to make the other person do something or realize something. Or at least and have here some, she just, some like, amount of like doubt. Right. And here she just like sits down and is like, all right, buddy, here's the rules. Here's, here's what you got to do. Do it. Later. Well, and the way that she acts it, which again, I think is to her credit, but the movie just doesn't rise to that level. And the movie kind of does this as well. They kind of just make you think like, oh, damn, she just said something very, like, final. And I'm like, no. Like, yeah. I don't really think it's like that big of a deal. Um, I, I do think it's hilarious to imagine if he was just like, what a weird bitch. And then just like went home and told his wife. <laughs> you know, like, just yeah. like, I lost my job. Also, this woman, like, kept flirting with me or something. And I it was know. like this very weird narrative she was yeah. telling me on the train. I mean, I'm not sure if like, I wanted Vera Farmiga to appear again or something. Like, maybe she should get on the train at a later stop and like, confront him again face-to-face rather than calling on the phone. I don't know if that would help do you, anything. Do you think that... Do you think they were like, we're actually maxed out on the amount we can afford? For yeah, just put her on the phone and have her <laughs> record all her lines. It's like, we can do this at the beginning, we can do this at the end. Yeah. But in the middle, listen, we can afford Bobo PFT, yep. and we can afford uh, Florence Pugh and Letitia Wright right now. Uh, but then everyone else, I, I, I don't know. Just find whoever. Maybe she was just cruising on her source code vibes. Was like, you know what? I'll do the role if I'm only on a train. Only on a tra- yeah. I want to be intense. I want to be in charge of something, and I want to be on a train. <laughs> I'm not on that fucking train. I'm not in your movie. <laughs> um, I, we we sort of didn't. We bounced off director really quick. Was there anything yes. else you wanted to say? Just like, well, they do the the. Oh, let's talk about more camera. Like the the well, the jaws vertigo yeah 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 where, where you like hold right like the background <laughs> like stretches out the camera back. Yeah, yeah yeah so you keep him in focus as the background goes they crazy. do it twice I believe 
I remember the one time. I, I do know when I say, like, we've got your wife or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so you've got that. You've also got the, the one that I kind of like. slow-mo. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy slow-mo. There's a lot of weird. Like I said, this happens more in the beginning, and I think they kind of stop later on. Perhaps he felt limited by the train and couldn't go as nuts as he wanted to. <laughs> Which, honestly, I'm kind of glad if his limited imagination couldn't figure out what to do on the train, because at least then the shots become competent. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that, so, like, the one thing that I do like, and I wish it mattered, is you have the scene of Liam Neeson at the end of the train, and the camera pulls back taking you through all the cars and like you would think again on paper that this is a way to set up who is on what car how many cars there are what car is which and so you will know as he works his way through the cars which car you're on and which car he's going to which he what he has yet to do still but here it's just kind of like oh boy sure are a lot of people on this yeah or like that was a cool shot we just went through the whole train right and so like like i wish that mattered you know and it doesn't matter yeah. It really just makes it feel like he was like, ooh, I got a lot of trick shots in mind. And then I have, like, one for the train. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're they're done. It, it's annoying, too, because it's like, uh, they don't amount to anything, and you kind of just feel like it's a bell and whistle stuck on nothing, and you're just like... Mm. They're super cheeseball Shoot. stuff, too. Like, the one at the end I don't like is when the train... <laughs> I think I know. He's, like, dangling off yeah. the train. Yeah, the has some, like, kind yeah. of dangling. That they've just separated. And then the rest of the train is, like, fucking, like, a skyscraper. Flying through the air, the yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And it cuts to, like, a reverse shot of the train, like, falling sort of nearly on top of him. As <laughs> and he's, and, like, there's two shots of him going, like, whoa, whoa. Oh, like, you guys remember that scene where... <laughs> I can't remember what actually happened, but like the the conductor is like, oh shit, X, Y, and Z happened. Liam Neeson, we really need you to go out there and fix that. And I'm like, again, people see sixty year old. They say he's sixty in the movie, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was crazy. I think they probably wanted to do that so then they could be like, look how active he is. I mean, but it's it also just, just like we can't dance around the fact that this is like an elderly man. But plenty of but, um, plenty of movies do. I know, but I, at a certain point, you start to lose credibility. I mean, how many other like. 60-year-olds do we have doing this? This is the first Liam Neeson movie I have seen them where they, like, recognize and state his age. And I, to, I'm going to be honest with you, I kind of like that. I, mean, I do think it makes it wildly unbelievable later on in the movie when he's getting in all these ridiculous fights, like with the guitar guy. Well, with the guitar, oh my god, where he just shoves that guy, basically most of his body, out of the broken window and just lets the train, like, like take him. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. What a brutal way to but kill like the, someone. Because like, the thing that I think he does well in being in the movie is he looks, he's, like, kind of slumped over. Mm-hmm. He looks like a 60-year-old man who's working a job that he doesn't really want to do, but, like, he has to keep doing because he doesn't have the money to retire at this point. So, like, I, I think that is well done on Liam Neeson's part. I think, like, the problem is it's so well done that later on in the movie you're like, he shouldn't be doing this right now. Yeah. Like, he, he's going to injure himself well, grievously. Everyone acted like Liam Neeson was the natural like able-bodied choice to go out and do that I'm like no 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 you, the skinhead can well, take care of that. Also, sir. like he's next top, but I it doesn't. I I'm given nothing to believe that he's kept up his physical activity routine. Oh, you mean yeah, exactly. as an insurance like, salesman who takes the train in? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I don't. It do, he doesn't carry himself off as somebody who's like kept up. Like, right. Wouldn't that be incredible if like every other cut in that like beginning was him working montage? Was like him on a peloton. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he can't afford a peloton. Yeah. Oh, wait, what if the peloton was what put him? <laughs> in the <right? laughs> sure. But we just bought a peloton. <laughs> You don't understand. Like, really like, like the actual <laughs> problem was he's pissing away all of their money on, like, <laughs> man mail order <laughs> shit. Like, yeah. She's like, listen, you have enough protein powder. Stop going to GNC. I need more. Um, I think very quickly we can probably bolt through characters. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, Liam Neeson as Michael, 
Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I just wanted to get, like, one thing about oh, yeah. the story that I wanted to throw in real quick. The weird thing, I, I had said watch this also, this feels like the second draft, and if we it had does. gotten to draft four or five, this would have been a solid comedy mm-hmm. movie. The one thing that really bugs the shit out of me is, so, Prin as a codename in general. When they said Prin is the woman, is the person, sorry, on this train the first time, my thought was me, like, okay, Scarlet Letter, Hester Prin, got it. Right. Like, that sounds Same. like Scarlet Letter. Interesting choice. I think mean, that's why I assumed it was a woman. Which right, was, and that's, I, understandable. Makes sense. Um, and so, you would think that then there's also these scenes in the beginning where they show that Liam Neeson is reading the same books as his son who is in his senior year of high school and he's like reading the books that he's reading in his English mm-hmm. class or whatever and so like I thought that was cute but you know, it, is, it, it is very ham-handedly established no, and, and, and I don't even mind that I don't think it's poorly established it's, I think it's fine the thing that I think really is the problem is that he should have been shown reading the Scarlet Letter at some point earlier on in the movie you have him doing like I don't know fucking catch on the right whatever bullshit so like if he had read the Scarlet Letter perhaps that's what like kicks it into his head later on to think like oh Prin Scarlet Letter I should be looking for someone who might be like who's carrying a copy it's fucking bullshit it's dumb to assume that Prin would be carrying a copy of the Scarlet Letter lo and behold she fucking is because you'd also think like Joanna and her people might be able to figure that out too right Right, that's what I'm saying it's like Prin is such like a simple code name to relate to the Scarlet Letter that like one Anyone should be able to figure this out. Anyone should be able to, like, kill this I person. Have left for Two, who gave her this nickname? Did right. she give it to herself? Did the FBI be like, ah, I see you reading the Scarlet Letter. What if we called you Prin also, after the Scarlet Letter? He also doesn't seem to realize it until he sees the book in her, in Sophie's hand. Right. Which says to me, then, what was the point of even calling her Prin? Because he never had a realization about right. it never the connection comes to him until he already realizes who this person right. is. So, like, there is... He the makes the connection when it's too right. late. There should be detective work being done by Liam Neeson in this movie that never happens. So you've got that. He should be able to do who Prin is. You also have the scene where he gets knocked to the ground by the FBI agent who he doesn't know is an FBI agent and the jazz guitarist guy picks him up like gives uh, him his hand and picks him up and his, so, his right hand his right hand we must note this comes into frame picks him up <clears throat> Liam Neeson later on like after he's gathered everyone to one car this guy leaves and goes and sits down and Liam Neeson's like are you print and he's like what if I am and he's like he's like He's like, okay, I, I think that you you might be print. I have to protect you now. And the guy's like, actually, I'm an assassin. Like, and he should like Liam Neeson has saw this guy's carrying a guitar around with him. And then he's like, it's it's a left handed guitar. Like you you're holding their gun in your right hand. It's like, but like, if that, that matters, matter. you should have already realized that that is a tell that yeah. this person is not who they say they are. If this information had been used in some way to help you come to determine that this guy is not actually on the level, then it would matter. It doesn't matter because he figures this out after the guy's pointing a gun at him. He's right. like, oh, I get Oh, it. you're this the is, assassin. This, is, this, is, this gun is in your right hand Point and of you order. claim to be a left hand. I don't know if this is what the movie intended and they're failing uh-huh. at it, but I thought that he... Led the guy into that room knowing he wasn't Prince. No. The guy the guy goes into that room by himself. He think the guy goes into that room by himself when everyone else goes into the car because it's too hot. Um, and he leaves the car once Liam Neeson is like chatting some people. Well he's doing like his like rambly thing about uh, So uh, he packs up and leaves the car. Right. Liam Neeson sees that and thinks, Oh, maybe that's Prin because they don't want to be like caught or singled out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he follows. Follows, and then it's like, oh, are you Prin? And the guy's essentially like, is like, I am? no, yeah. I'm the assassin. Yeah. <laughs> I get, yeah. Which is dumb, by the way, because I think the movie believes that, oh, no, Liam Neeson is doing detective work. He realized, but the left-hand, right-hand thing also doesn't really mean that much, even in the context of that scene. Like, so what? It didn't actually mean there was, like, a left-hand or right-handed thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not as if they found a weapon and they're like, oh, this could have only been used by right. a right-handed or left-handed person. And so, was that just supposed to indicate that the guitar was, like, a fake? 
and he's not really a musician. I mean, I think that's it, right? But who cares if we already know he's pointing the gun at him? Yeah, I know. It doesn't, like, we're beyond that at that point. Yeah. The other issue... Shit, I love it. It also does an 88 Minutes thing where they're just sort of like, what's going to make him seem like he's more in danger and can get out of it? Let's have him leave, leave the train and have to get back on it. And let's have him almost get hit by a train car, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> falling like a fucking skyscraper. The other thing I don't really get is why it leads to a fist fight between the assassin and the amusement. And I'm like, but why are you really fighting at this point? Like, the assassin appears just, to, like, just be doing this for the money. He has no real investment in this. He also starts beating the shit out of Liam Neeson, who he's like, where's Pren? And Liam Neeson is very honestly like, I don't know who it is. But the assassin also does implies that he's, that he's like, forced... His that is that is certainly forced. true, but I guess I feel like it's weird that your initial instinct is to, like, beat the shit out of this guy instead of just being, like, you gotta figure out who the fuck this is. Like, yeah. if you don't figure out, like, or maybe the assassin should be like, if you don't figure out who it is, I'm just gonna open fire and, right. like, kill everyone. So, like, if you want to save lives at this point, tell me who Which might have been is. a really interesting time block. Yeah, it's just, like, I don't understand why this turns into a fist fight aside from the fact that the movie needs an action scene no, at some point. No, it is stupid, because if I think he was just in the room when Liam Neeson is like, hey, I don't know who Prin is, so I'm just going to tell everyone I don't know who Prin is. Right, yeah. And he's like, well, tell me who it is. And he's like, well, just... Yeah, I do. Like, <laughs> did you not hear my monologue? <laughs> yeah. It's like, do you think I'm, like, freaking out over nothing? I truly don't yeah, know what I'm like, doing. Uh, no, guy. Like, I'm... I'm we do, we're, we're in the dark here. It is funny <laughs> that it's it's ostensibly a mystery, and ostensibly Liam Neeson is the one who's figuring it out. But he doesn't figure anything out. Things just sort of happen and present themselves to him, and he's like, oh, that's what it he, is. He right. stumbles upward, much like Jon Snow before him. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Um, one other comment I just wanted to return to. I think while you were watching Lee, you were kind of wishing this took a more Snowpiercer direction. I just wanted, to, I just wanted it to be personality over the top and style. It would yeah. have been a lot more like fun rip. if it had been a ridiculous trick. Or to yeah. give us, like, it's just was an alternate reality where like everyone was cooler. <gasps> we're, it, we're just like a super heightened train. We're like yeah, you yeah, said, yeah. like this is the car that has like all the students who yeah, are going this to is school the or quiet college. Car right. business nerds. Right. Or, or there's like this is where like the old ladies gather right. to like play canasta or whatever on the yeah. train or mahjong. Yeah, British car. Yeah, right. exactly. So it's just like you could have had all these cars with like these setups to make like everyone feel like its own bizarre. Like, this is where a school group has right. settled down. Which, again, if you are setting this thing on a commuter rail where every car is exactly the same, it would help you be able to distinguish which car is which, how far along you are in this. I also think the movie, it, like, just takes wild swings where, like, they'll dive us into a scene in which Liam Neeson is terrorizing that poor nurse who's just having the worst day of her yeah, life. I feel bad for her. And, um, understandably, everyone's like, Liam Neeson, what the fuck? And then he takes a gun out and it's even worse. And then immediately, he's like, okay, but I promise I didn't plant the bombs. They're like, we believe you. Can you actually help us, please? <laughs> and it's just, it's wild how quickly they go from, like, why are you holding us hostage? To, like, Liam Neeson, you're the only one who can do this. Anything you want to say about characters real quick? Um, they're barely existing. Yeah, I wish the characters mattered they're more. They're more like had archetypes. More personality. Really. But not even, because they're not even... I mean, all, like, a lot of them are just like they're New Yorkers. Like, yeah. this is the Wall Street guy. This is the NYU student. This is like well, the passengers are like just caricatures. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Liam Neeson has a strong character. No, no he doesn't really. He doesn't. We're not made, we're not given enough to care about him. But yeah. and then it's like nurse, petty criminal, and Joanna is also a, ske- a thinly sketched villain. Right. Who, and, and honestly, if they were like she's actually Satan, I'd be like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> This is the car to hell. The yes. to hell. <laughs> she was you're all, you're all dead. <laughs> it's yeah. the 666 to hell. Oh my God. Actually, that's my new fix. They're all dead. Yeah. And, um, and Patrick Wilson is just like cardboard corrupt cop. Yeah. Ter- Terry there's Town. really nothing to Like, and there's so little to Sam Neill also. Like when Sam Neill <laughs> comes in, they're like, ooh, fucking Sam Neill, this guy. I mean, he's police chief red hair. Yeah. And, and then but like, you don't find enough about this guy, except that, I don't know, he's 
by the books or I something. No, you literally know nothing about him because yeah. he just comes in and he's just like, Patrick Wilson. Right, Patrick and Wilson. Liam Neeson. They're, they're like, boo, hiss. This awful <laughs> bad. But like, why? Who cares? What's his deal? Why do we hate him? Uh, I do kind of, I, I mean, and even the, like, the final way that we take out Patrick Wilson, they just, there's a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of game in this movie around, like, who has a tracker on them? Because that's how it, it kind of decides who Patrick Wilson gets shot. Mm-hmm. He gets right. shot he down because he has identifies the, him as a good guy. Enemy or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Um, Which I kind of liked. I did. It felt a little easy. Like as soon as that came up, you're like, okay, this felt, is what's going to happen. It honestly felt very video gamey. Like they're like switch to your sniper view. Like, <laughs> the yellow ones are the good people, or the yellow ones are the people you can shoot. The blue ones yeah. are not. Um, anyway, um, there's literally nothing else to say about characters. All of them are literally just like half notions of people bumping yeah. into each other. I mean, as much as. It, uh, as, as much as there are issues I had with Warrior to Express again, like the one thing in there, at least everyone has like a tick that defines them as a character. Or a and you look. Find, right, and you find out a little bit more about them, right? Like you get to know a little bit about what right. their deal is and how like, why, why they might potentially be a suspect here. Here it's just kind of like, uh, hey, don't get mad at me. I'm a nurse and I got into a fight with my boyfriend so I decided to go on the train for a little bit. And like, yeah. this comes out within like the span of 30 seconds. I always thought so that it's was just a little like, crazy uh, okay. that she even goes into that much backstory in the moment. I just feel like this person would have been like, it's none of your fucking business. Leave me the fuck I mean, alone. I think it's also weird that Liam Neeson looks at her phone and sees that she was texting her boyfriend is like, aha, this rules you out as a suspect. Like, does it? I mean, it does because the movie confirms that it does. Uh, but just sort of like that's all it takes. You just need to know that she was texting someone else. The other, the only other thing I have to say is this movie was giving me an, a lot of eighty-eight minutes vibes and how literally everyone seems to be a hyper suspicious weirdo with a bunch character. of quirks. Yeah, I. But in this movie, they have no quirks. So I mean, their, their quirk <laughs> is like their their one line personality right. blurb, like yeah. Wall Street businessman, right? Crusty guy. Creep. New Yorker, yeah. Scumbag. Do we have any other assorted thoughts or notes to throw out there before we get into Les Fixes? I don't know. Is there anything good you want to say about this movie? Mm. I feel like that's something we should try I and do more. I thought it has throughout. promise. I think it has yeah. promise, and yeah, I think it, gen- it on the whole, it, I think it has decent bones, but I think pretty much every other choice made in making this movie was kind of the wrong one. This was, again, one of those movies that we didn't watch before suggesting we tackle. Which, so, by the way, I actually think this worked out No, fine. I didn't actually work. I was really worried that it was going to be another case where it turns out that, like, the movie's kind of okay. I still don't want to do it again. No. no yeah. I, I think, no, we, we, we're very chancy whenever we do that sort of shit. So, yes. So we shouldn't do it anymore. But that said, like, uh, as a blurb, I like this movie a lot. It's just that, like, in execution, boy, does it fall apart. Yeah, I think it has a very solid premise, but uh, the way it... The way we... What we saw there was just a fart. And it's weird, too, because it got, like, not awful reviews. Like, it didn't get, like, super glowing reviews. I think reviews. there's a lot of affection for this kind of movie. And I, that's why I think the the comparison to Arnold Schwarzenegger during a certain part of his career is particularly apt for where Liam Neeson is at, because that's just sort of what he's doing. And I feel like if you went in expecting that, you would kind of... I feel like a lot of reviewers knew this was coming, just because this has been more or less his mode for a while. So I feel like... Uh, I. A lot of the tenor of the reviews I saw were kind of like Liam Neeson back at it again with I mean, another one of these movies. And I don't think there was a lot of discussion about the movie itself. There seemed to be a lot of discussion of the movie just as another appendage of the greater, later Liam Neeson career. I mean, which so I think is the wrong conversation. The thing it's... also is that there is another movie which I have not seen called Nonstop. Liam Neeson, same director. Really? This put on a plane. And so... 
This nonstop play before this. Are you fucking this. kidding? No, I'm not. And so I have not seen nonstop. I have heard the nonstop. So that's his nice thing, right? So like, I'm just thinking like it already seems like he did this once and did it fairly well. So like, why would you choose to watch a crappier version of that oh movie? Oh my god! You could just watch that. Movie? What's the next in the trilogy? I don't know. But, but, I mean, this is, is it the a thing. fairy? I mean, is no, it a cardboard? Here's the thing, right? In a post-speed <laughs> world, we did all of this, right? Yeah. Once we, like speed came out with successful vehicles, we right, were all like, okay, it's an action movie, but it's set on a blank. Or it's an action movie, but it's Cars. So God in 60 Seconds, okay. we're going to remake The Italian Job. Ooh, now we're going to do Fast and Furious I mean, for that's the next different. 10 years. What I'm saying is that's it's an action movie where we're all stuck on mm. this one thing and can't get off the thing. So, like, we've run through all the things at this point, Speed, right? Speed, did right. Little Cruise. Yeah, I'm sure I, there has well, to be, like, a ferry. Well, Cruise right? Control was oh. technically on a boat. Not It wasn't oh, a ferry, ferry, but... Yeah, no. I think a ferry would actually be kind of interesting to do. Ferries are fucking boring they shit. They really are. Honestly, <laughs> I think, because I think part of the thing, too, is when you have a train, it's, like, going so fast through the waters of the ferry, it's like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you just like look out the window and it's They're like, like the, <laughs> the slow minutes on your 50 minute cruise from one end of the which is why cruise control yeah. had to do the whole thing we're like oh no we're going to run into the dock and, and we can't down. stop yeah oh you guys want to date this conversation Regis Philbin just talked <laughs> really? yeah just now? I mean it, well, it was just announced so let's date this, guys. If I you're listening to this, I know. If you're listening to this, look it's up when Regis Philbin died. That's when we recorded this conversation. I, I was about to say at a certain point, LOL, it's 420, but that was quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, All right. Okay, uh, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to start with my fix, because it's, yeah, it's, it. it's very quick and easy. Sure, whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Someone ready? I don't fucking care. I don't fucking care. My fix, I'm going to keep this in very simple terms. I kind of feel like you can keep a lot of the same setup, but I would just like to expand on it more. Um, I would like to have a lot of what he's doing is reading the uh, son's books, but I want to add in a thing where he is more personally invested in that, not only as a way to kind of build a relationship with the son, but also I want to have a thread going with him where maybe he didn't get as much of an education as he would have liked leading up to things, which is maybe what led him on into the force to begin with. Um, and maybe he sees this as a way to also kind of like educate and better himself, but I would like for him to meet Sophia practically immediately when he gets on the train and they connect over having the book. Mm -hmm. The same one. Because mm -hmm. she's also reading Scarlet Letter. I don't think we're going to have Prim as the code name. I'm doing away with that. But I do like this as a, oh, we're both reading the same book. And that maybe throughout the movie, he is building a kind of fatherly relationship with her, but hasn't yet put together that she is the target of this thing going on. So I would actually really like it if Liam, ne Liam Neeson... And um, he's, like, befriended Sophia. He's maybe slowly letting her into what's going on. She is obviously coming at this from a different perspective and sees him as a potential assailant, but is doing an amazing job of, like, you know, not letting that out. Um, I want him to kind of go through various people on the train who are either obstacles or who are willing to help in a very specific or clear way in terms of like, okay, like Jonathan Banks, for example, like, oh my God, here's what's going on. What can you do to help me? Yada, yada, yada. I would actually like him to, at one point, think that the assassin, before he knows he's, that he's the assassin, is just someone who's trying to help and that he only realizes Sophia is Prin when the assassin tries to kill her. Just because I feel like it, throughout this movie, there's such a void where any character relationships exist that I actually felt like it would be a compelling thing to A, have Sophia be an actual character, B, have him actually have a connection to her so that he wants to save her and that we understand what's at stake for him, at least on a personal level. And um, I want the money thing to be in there, but I want him to reject the money to begin with of like, mm -hmm. no, that's weird. 
that kind of seems like a trap or a weird trick. I'm not interested. Yeah. But that he finds himself being pulled into this anyway, simply because of his now personal attachment to Sophia. Okay. All right. So I just have like two kind of sketches more so than an actual idea. One of them is like literally a sentence. The other one is a longer thing. So the sentence one is basically just like, I don't know, why don't we just do Murder on the Orient Express except on a commuter rail? <laughs> like, why don't we just really lean heavily into this thing and just have it? It, it is that. It literally is that where you're doing actual fucking detective work, going through this train, identifying suspects and figuring out who well, this person is. So and like, like we were talking about before, have like different groups of people in this car and that's how you know you're in this car. Right. And like you sort of like you give them actual personalities and actual conversations you can have with them to try and figure out like who these people actually are, why they might be a suspect and go on from there. So basically like you have the basic bones of this, except you do the actual legwork into making there be compelling suspects and conversations and detective work and clues. The other idea that I kind of had, so for obvious reasons, I feel icky about this whole police angle that this movie is doing where, um, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of it, like, there is this sort of thing where it's like, ah, like, the police were the ones who did it, but then it's also like, but Sam Neill's a good cop. I mean, can we, I mean, it's similar to Strange Days, where we're like, those cops were bad. Good thing there's good cops. Right, I mean, it's, it's similar to almost any movie about the police force, right? We're like, yeah, we know there's bad cops, but there's good ones, too, and, like, those good ones are doing their best. Blah, 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 So, <laughs> I, like, looking through it in the lens of 2020, that is something, like, I simply just would not want to have in this movie one way or the other, I think. And the way I think you could kind of make this work with some of the themes that this movie is laying down is what if Liam Neeson is still like a businessman or something and what if he is one of those you know those fabled businessmen responsible for the bubble bursting and for everything going to shit around 2008 or whatever but like he is still working at his job because you know I I don't think we're that bad in the scheme of things like I think we're kind of okay you know like I, I don't think we're the real evil problem in this world and so his growth as a character would be that he like gradually sees how shitty his enormous corporation actually is and all the crap that they're doing to each other and um you know instead of it being the police who threw this guy out of a window it's like a secret cabal of billionaires who like knew that he was going to blow the whistle on like some sort of insider training or whatever bullshit you want it to be and they got rid of this guy and so the twist is that the Vera Farmiga Joanna character instead of being like this extension of this shadowy organization that helps the police or whatever everything. right she is secretly good and trying to expose this shit by like having one of their own be the one to work out what's going on here because she knows that like maybe she's like secretly we find out that she's like this radical who wants to like expose all the shitty shit they're doing but she knows that like she can't be the one to do it because she's like this like you know she's looked on upon as like this crazy outsider like who's gonna believe her if she's the one who comes up with this compelling evidence that you know this organization has done so many terrible things so what she has to do is she has to play the role of like this mysterious person who probably this person and the company into finding these things himself and doing the right thing. I also think he might be a single dad on that one, so you could kind of play it like, because I mean, with Hitchcock, it's always like the femme fatale is kind of a romance too, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I kind of miss that in this movie. Like, yeah. it's nice that he's a devoted family man and loves Elizabeth yeah. Warren, but like, it's kind of more fun that, see for all of that there's, right, exactly. It's kind of more fun that there's like a woman there who he has romantic tension with. It probably shouldn't be Vera Farmiga, maybe because we thought she might have been uh, Gillian Anderson, that <laughs> perhaps it could be. <laughs> Or is it Jillian? Is it Jillian or Jillian? Jillian. 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 Gillian is Gillian Jacobs. Yeah, Gillian Jacobs. Always confusing. Yeah. So maybe it should have been Jillian Anderson, who would have been a little bit more age appropriate to Liam Neeson. So that way, you know, you can have your cake needed too. Mysterious woman could be Jillian Anderson in like a fantastic black and white dress. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's what I got. All right, mine's a little foggier, but (laughs) I I did take some of your ideas, but it was my idea first, so you know. Um, I'll be writing to my lawyers. I also uh, wanted it. I wanted it to go more of a Hitchcock. I wanted to just, uh, yeah, die make it more of the Hitchcock remake in the Disturbia vein. I'm sorry to cut you off real quick, but for a video episode, we should really do like our favorite shitty Hitchcock. Our favorite shitty Hitchcock. We can yeah. do Disturbia and Eagle Eye. Yeah. 
Oh, sorry, oh, go ahead. I would love that. I would love to do that as a double, yeah, yeah. As a double new feature. Yeah. That would be yeah. fun of like the Schmitchcocks. Yeah. But I was, I wanted to do the, my favorite Hitchcocks are like the older ones. I guess he did them later on in his career too, but there's like the femme fatale ones, but there's also the ones where it's usually a wrongfully accused plot line, mm-hmm. but it's where a guy and a girl sort of get roped into a thing right. and have to, and I have to like, usually they're on the run or like, but they're unwilling partners that don't know. Right. They're always like, one's always trying to get away. Yeah. And the guy's like, I can't, and I need you. They're kind of like a bickery kind of a thing. And yeah. I like that. I like that uh, dynamic a lot. So what I wanted to do was have. Uh, replaced Jonathan Banks as like main commuter friend with like a a, a Gillian Anderson type, uh, but like the main the female lead. I probably I, I would make him single, mm-hmm. and then maybe that's part of the arc is that he has no money because uh, wife dead, no only one income or whatever. I don't know. That's <laughs> just reason. Like, well, well, like, well, why are you having so many money problems? Wife dead, no income. <laughs> <laughs> that would be no an incredible answer. <laughs> wife dead, no income. Very quickly, you have to clip it. Wife dead, no income. Um, but I, what I, I don't really have a lot, but I think what I have is I'd still have, like, the Vera Formiga mysterious lady. Mm-hmm. I do, I want that conversation to work. I really want that, that, like, sort of, like, what if? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. But maybe it's not, um, would you do this for money? Maybe it's like the trolley problem mm-hmm. of like you could save this many people yeah. with this, and you could save you have to kill somebody. And maybe she comes to him. I think that my character uh, Liam Neeson was kicked off of the force for doing something probably fine, but was like punished punitively or, or like did something like stood up or like maybe ratted out a corrupt cop, and that got him kicked out because it's not what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe tried to do like a PI thing for a while, but that doesn't make enough money, uh, and so he just decided to be insurance. And maybe Vera Farmiga was like a, a someone who's like going had an appointment with him to like get a contract, but instead goes off on this weird creepy tangent about the, the trolley problem, and that could be funny. He's getting on train. Right. Um, <laughs> and meanwhile, we see that he has this sort of like vaguely flirty like commuter talk relationship with this woman who gets on the train every day with her like you know young preteen daughter or something. Um, going to school that she takes care of uh, and that's been going on for like a couple months now or something and and the, the trolley problem is is more talking about like you know would you save uh, your family mm-hmm. or a stranger like yeah. you'd pick, would you pick well and it's also like um, it's do you do you avert killing yeah, other yeah. people or like kill the or scientists do you, or, or do you like, avert killing like one valuable person yeah um, and that leads into uh when he gets on the train that day, he's, like, sort of roped into... He finds out that, like, his his son's been uh, kidnapped, and he has to give up uh, this other person on the train who he knows... Who, again, it's, like, a vague detail that we know. And because he trusts this, like, woman that he has, like, a, a great relationship, he's, she's, like, the one person that she talks to, and she tries to, like... They try to, like, figure out what to do about it or, like, help out, but the reveal is that she is a WITSEC officer, and the her protector person is the is the person that Vera Farmiga wants to kill mm-hmm. um, that's not actually her daughter it's like a witness from some like mob boss that is going to be under trial soon and they've been keeping her like under wraps yeah. for uh, XYZ time um, and she's been sort of feeding him false information trying to like not like not like malign- malignantly but trying to like run interference protecting you know the daughter that she's mm-hmm. like got I don't really have uh, the middle to that. It's just clever interference from that point on. But, like, um, just, like, I, I do want to play out more of the... It, it's hard to do on a commuter train. The sort of, like, 
evading the cops and like getting in and out of danger because you're stuck on a train. It's all open, right? Like, yeah. Again, the Orient Express, you have cars where you can like duck into and you know conceivably hide for a small period of time. Here, it's like I don't know. You want to jump in the restroom or something? Yeah. So I think it would probably have to. It wouldn't have as much fun antics as a Hitchcock, but maybe you could do more of like. Poirot-style, like, fun conversations where he's, like, interviewing a bunch of people, trying to figure out what's what, mm-hmm. and sort of, like, working with her, and they, they maybe she's interviewing some other people, and they come back and they share notes, but she's trying to, like, mislead him, um, just to the, until a certain point, until he finds out that it's so, like, what's going on. Um, but they, you know, they eventually manage to save both the family and this person that she's protecting. Nice. That's mine. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was listening. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I know, I I, I was going... Sorry. <laughs> I know that seemed like a, a single statement, but what I meant was, like, I do love that we each kind of had our own directions yeah. on this. Because in general, I did not find this to be a super inspirational film. I thought well, parts of it were very interesting. I, I wasn't inspirational, promise. but I instantly knew the problems I had. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't think it's, like... Just by watching the movie, I couldn't tell you exactly what needs to be done to fix it. Like, but I, I think the the jumping off point is a very solid jumping off. Point. Yeah. Yes. That's and the like, problems are very easy to identify. Yeah. I think I think a lot of the 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 story choices are good. I yeah. just think when we get to the details and the characterization and the motivations and making that all like click mm-hmm. is where we run into issues because the characters are sketches; they are not people. Yep. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know, the storytelling's a little flabby in the middle. They're sort of just executors of the plot, all of them. They don't really do anything because they're personally motivated. They all just kind of do it because that's what's in the script. Yeah. Um, the big question, mm-hmm. would you recommend it? No. I don't know. <laughs> no. A, dis- a decisive no from Lee. It's I, not worth your time. Yeah. It's I would also say no. I, I don't know. There's a little part of me that says maybe. Apparently like, not. You know what? A better if, version you, of this. if you want a better yeah, version of this movie, just watch the first speed. Well, I mean, sure. Speed is going to be a better version of, like, any action movie where the, the catch line is like, the line is like, what if this, like, what if speed, but set on X. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's it's not great. I don't think I, like, I didn't outright hate it. I don't know that I could really recommend it either. I feel like it's the sort of thing that, like, if it was on TV on, like, Sunday at 1 p.m. and you were just lying around the house, like, you know, sure, why not? That's, that's it's a very cold recommend, I think, for me. Yeah. Yeah, I can't recommend it. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, like, I don't watch as many movies, so I would not waste my time on it. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't blame you. Again, maybe Nonstop is the better version of this. I have not seen it, but it could yeah. be. I would also be kind of interested in seeing Nonstop, but when you said it was the same director, I'm just going to assume it's the same movie, just with the plane. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be interested in seeing I, I've never seen anything else Who's, this guy has done. And Liam Neeson also starred in that one? Yeah. So, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, the magic was there for that one or something, you know? Maybe. Like, maybe, maybe it works then. Maybe in that so. one, he's American. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I've had enough of these Irishmen um, taking our jobs. <laughs> yeah, we want we want Americanized Irish people like yes, us please. to, America to take America. these jobs. It was <laughs> four years before, so also maybe uh, Liam Neeson does gets up to a bit more. Yeah, so maybe. Maybe. maybe it's a little less awkward for you younger. <laughs> I mean, this, he certainly looks this retiree hotter. Yeah. Yeah. A little more, like, color to his flesh, because he was yeah. looking pretty gray in this he, movie. He does, he does look, yeah, he really does, like, look unwell in this yeah. movie. He does! Which I, I have to assume is... He looks like a man point. who's, like, a widower yeah. and has lived a long life. I, I, I feel like his face. It must have been, like, an intentional choice to make him up to look so, like, pasty and run down. It must. Because yeah. otherwise you just... You Guys, just don't he's, do a, that he's a schmo who's broken by the system. Exactly. And yeah. all, he, uh, all he wants is... To, to have his daughter not be taken. To have... Uh, and, to, and to send his son to school. So our website is www.drappack.com. You can like us 
us on Facebook at facebook.com slash whitewatchpodcast. Uh, that's pretty much it. Don't worry about anything else. That's yeah, all you got to do. That's all, that's all uh, you need And to you can, about. of course, subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. And if it's not five stars, we don't want it. Get it the fuck out of here. Yep. Take it on your train to Cold Spring and get it out of my city. Yeah. Where, you know what? Get off of Tarrytown. Yeah. You don't deserve to go yeah. all the way to Cold Spring. Have fun being in fucking Tarrytown, Sleepy okay. Hollow. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we're just going to buy this one yeah, out. Yeah, back in two weeks, mini-episode. Bye! Bye.